Thanks for taking the time to listen to our 3D OrthoPro podcast. If you'd like to get any more information on Piro, 8Soul or Raptor, please visit our website at www.3dorthopro.com or drop us an email at info at 3dorthopro.com. Welcome everybody and um, thank you for joining us again on the 3D OrthoPro podcast. I am delighted to introduce Brian Kraft who's the application specialist at Spentis. Uh, and going off your, your LinkedIn, you are helping clinicians solve challenges with 3D printing. So I'm going to just go straight in at that and be like, what challenges do you solve with, with 3D printing? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Thanks, Doug, for having me on. You know, there's, there's so many challenges that 3D printing can solve. And if you're looking at specific parts of a traditional workflow for different clinicians, then there are points to 3D where we could be able to really, you know, assist a clinician in the, the process of fabricating prostheses, orthoses, especially the, the more labor intensive fabrication processes, 3D printing and 3D scanning, 3D technology in general, really optimizes the fabrication process. You know, also looking at the digital twins of devices, the, the ability to track a patient's anatomy uh, over time yeah. is insight into a, a patient's journey that one, that, that's not really talked about that much. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's something that's probably fairly early at the moment that people aren't referring to it much, but it is something that, that we've seen that people do track uh, plagial carefully head shapes they scan them at the first scan and then they do helmet treatment and then they scan them at the end and then you can you can see the difference it's and it you know how you know it's super accurate yeah yeah i think it, the, the more we get into 3d and additive manufacturing we'll see more points to to the digital twin in the future but the overarching theme for 3d technology in a clinical space is taking the complex cases and using technology to optimize the production of those complex devices. I think complex and, and simple, like it makes, it makes simple processes even faster, like simple patient, simple, like scanning a, a foot that's easy yeah. to manipulate. Um, uh, you, you can scan it uh, and, and get it made and prescribe it, you know, super quick with so much less effort, no casting, no, uh, no rectification. It, uh, like labor intensive rectification and I think like we we you and I are doing the same thing for for our representative uh, people and um you know we we, we did bounce these ideas off each other like last week and uh trying to just get get people to to have a go at it and like uh, have a go at our, our systems and 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 try it out because it is I think once you kind of get over that first hurdle of coming into the digital way it uh yeah it, it, it just kind of opens doors yeah i agree with you there i getting started is the the biggest challenge that's uh, our challenge is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah well, especially in business development but yeah. you know that, that's the big biggest challenge to for a clinician to to get started is is yeah. That's the biggest challenge, but at the same time, it's one of the easiest challenges now 
2022 because getting started can be actually a really simple process when you're working with folks like yourself or me who can be able to point you in the right direction and have some skin in the game. And, and like we, we mentioned this last week, it was like, well, because I, I find like getting people involved, the initial hurdles are like, okay, you need a little bit of basic tech, you need an iPad and a structure sensor. Um, and like I said to people, that doesn't limit you to just what I do. I was like, you can use you guys, you can use multiple other people to create endless amounts of orthoses. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's not, it's not huge investment but it will make your life easier once you learn learn the process and, and kind of get used to it yeah i couldn't agree with you more tim and you're not new to 3d printing industry um you have previous experience and what made you switch over to software side well i think new is relative uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah true i've uh <laughs> I've been in the industry for two years now, and I got started working for a service bureau, um, which here in the States is most similar to like a central fabrication facility where they receive the order, produce mm. uh, okay. the, yeah, the components. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's really the end of the digital workflow. It's yeah. the production. So working at a facility like that really gave me insight to production and not yeah. just a, a single production process, but there's so many different types of ways to lay down plastic on a build plate. Yeah. And, uh, okay. <laughs> and it's, it's really interesting to see, you know, the different speeds and materials and quality that goes into all these different types of printing processes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I really recommend if, if anyone is in the digital workflow to, to spend some time on the production side, because, it's important to to understand those those factors that go into the actual production of a device. Um, you, you know, there was t testing as well. That was something that was really interesting to to learn about in testing different thicknesses and the mechanical properties of the materials. So I think that that was a great way to get started in the digital workflow yeah. is to to understand the end part first and working on the, the end part of the digital workflow really kind of gave me insight to the, the whole scope of everything. Okay. I would, I would see, you know, the, the three steps of 3d scanning, 3d modeling and 3d printing. Mm -hmm. And I would see inefficiencies within the whole scope of the digital workflow. And I was really focused on the complexity of 3d modeling when yeah. I would think about what was kind of, inhibiting people from getting started, it, the, it kept coming up that the complexity, the complexity, the complexity of these tools that are available to really just the, the broad engineering world that clinicians are taking and applying to their workflows. Do you mean the initial so, scan or do you mean like the, the, the post scan process before it gets manufactured? Well, more of the modeling step. Okay, uh, the, the that's design. hard. I, yeah, I tried that. Yeah. That's hard. That's hard to do. It's it, a hard it, skill. It is hard, and it, it could be done. It could for sure be done, but it takes a lot of time, and there's a lot of capital investment that goes into 3D modeling. If if you're using tools that are available to the broad industry, so what I kept seeing was 
the, a need for tools that are tailored specifically to clinicians yeah. to really help in that process. And I, I kept seeing uh, companies like Spenty's pop mm -hmm. up, Spenty's, 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 because yeah, you get a lot of promo in there if you say the same company name five times. <laughs> Sorry, sorry I'm about that. I'm joking. <laughs> but but the whole thing there was that I, I kept seeing the ability to have a tool that was really tailored to clinicians and um, even even the companies that you represent. The the whole overarching thing that was impressive to me about software was that we were seeing tools that are really tailored to clinicians. So I, I've said yeah. that a few times, yeah. but- I think, I think you're right. I think it, they're tailored for P&O people, but also what from what the biggest thing I noticed from the clinician standpoint is that the clinician is in control of the everything. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. with our softwares, um, like there are algorithms there that help to make our life a little bit easier, like to do the rectification uh, 3D modeling manually is is, is a hard skill. I I tried it once, and I was like, because I wanted to see see what it was like, and it's not as easy as it as it looks. But you know, there there are algorithms there now that are helping that to be simplified for clinicians. But you can still take ownership of what position you're putting your um, scan in. There's you can get those elements in there, and then also trimline building in both. Spenties and um, 3D Ortho Pro with a, with our products, uh, you're you're given a clinician like the ability. Okay, where do you want your trim line? You know, what do you want it to do? Like, it comes down to their yeah. knowledge as well. Yeah. So they're putting their knowledge into a prescription, so they get complete ownership of it, which I think is important, but also scares some clinicians when they can't pass it back to a lab and say, "Oh, you didn't make this right," um, because it's kind of whatever you design is 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 yours. Yeah, I, I think that that is, is what's most interesting is in, in especially in like the, the upcoming months and years is that software is going to be the name of the game to get more adoption of the digital workflow. Because yeah. once we, once we take out the, the fact that most software now is available to a broad industry and clinicians are adopting it for their daily workflows. Mm -hmm. And we put in a software that is specifically tailored to them. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to see some, some great adoption. Cause I don't know, do you guys get much like feedback from people who are using you to say, Oh, can we have this? Can we have that? Uh, like extra additions. And I know, I know sometimes at the moment there might be some limitations with um, some products about, like, you know, for me again, like, you know, I can't use it for that because I don't have the specific option that I like to use. So I'll use somebody else for this at this moment. Um, but we have kind of seen that feeding that back, like they, they will kind of um, add them in when they can and depending on the, how much how much work it takes to, to do certain things. Yeah, definitely. We, we the Spinties is 100% a clinical feedback company. So... Yeah. Um, we have built all of our tools around clinical feedback. And as you know, I have lots of conversations about new features that aren't there that would be nice to have. Yeah, and yeah me too. We me then too. put on the yeah, we then put it on the roadmap and uh, yeah. eventually uh, those tools would be available. Cool. Because I'm and I 
kind of leads us on. I mean, the advantages of, of working digitally, we've probably said a few of them, but um, I'll, I'll let you lead the way. Yeah, uh, you know, I think the, the advantages really point to the challenges um, because that's ultimately what we're looking to solve. And for me, time is is a huge thing. Number one. Number and one. yeah, it's, it's definitely number one. And it really is application specific and actually like clinical practice specific. If you're looking at a prosthetist who wants to create or needs to create a diagnostic socket for their patient, that process is extremely labor intensive and long, you know, taking time to pour a mold and then drape plastic over that mold, trim, maybe, hopefully you don't have any bubbles. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that process, when additive manufacturing takes over that process or, or maybe not takes over, that's pretty strong language, but <laughs> when, you, when you look at the, the same type of uh, need for creating a diagnostic socket when applying to additive manufacturing, goodness gracious, it's, it's so much faster. Scan your patient's cast or residual limb, create the, the diagnostic socket in a modeling platform, mm -hmm. print it. It could be printed in an hour to five hours, depending on the print capability. But what the, the technician is saving is all that time in plaster, all that time trimming and, and doing these, these, you know, yeah. Tasks. yeah no, so yeah. you're basically sure, shortening yeah. the, the, the amount of work that someone has to do. And I think, again, yeah. that will, for you and I, that's like amazing because we were saying, oh, we can save all this time. But then I guess to somebody else, that's someone else's kind of job. And what we're kind of seeing is um, that although it's not going to take away from that person. It's just another option for people to use at the right time if the workshop's too busy or we could do it this way because then we can speed up the process for in this situation. And, and, and I think like no industry is just going to drop everything and completely change at one time. It is a gradual kind of intervention that people kind of say, oh, I might try this then at the right time and, and, and kind of go from there. That's, that's kind of what, we'll, what we see in the UK. Um, that, yeah. that's, that's kind of what, what we kind of seen the pattern of people kind of wanting to, oh, that's interesting, looks good, but how, do we, how does that work in with what we do now? Do we need to change what we do now? And people's minds are being open to it. It's a, it's a slow process. Yeah, and you know, I think that there's just some responsibility changes. There's there's still a need for each person within a clinic, but when when a technician can spend less time in plaster, but maybe more time assembling, yeah. uh, that's that's optimizing his workday or her workday, and yeah. I think that that's it's one way to look at it that you know you're, you're taking responsibilities off but you're still you know creating an opportunity for someone to experience their their same you know yeah yeah clinical clinical input there yeah yeah and i, I think it like be clinically it's, it's exciting to be like like taking a scan and doing that process of something something new uh that you can then you know, create this, like the designs are more, are, are more unique than, than the traditional methods as well. Like the, you are able to, to create things that just, you look at almost one of the FOs we supplied, it just, the family just felt like 
the the child's AFO was much more acceptable because it because it looks cooler. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like a, people are like, "Oh, cool, what's that?" As opposed to, "Oh, like that's a big piece of white plastic." Uh, yeah, I mean, goodness, they they do look a lot different. They they look in some ways more futuristic. Yeah, but in others, you know, when you're trying to just really replicate a traditional device. Yeah. you still see some notable differences because yeah. the materials are different. The, yeah. the, the thickness lines and yeah. the thicknesses, all of it is, is, is different. So mm -hmm. you see some of that. And, you know, when, when we're talking about patients who have to wear these devices, it is important for them to really like what they're wearing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely. And, I think... and yeah, 3d answers a lot of that. Cause if you were to show like, someone that like here's a traditional AFO and here's a 3D printed one, which one would you prefer? And I, I, I just take out the, the slight cost increase of 3D printing. You probably find that they probably go with the 3D printed one if you were saying, look, it's thinner, it's lighter, um, it, you know, it's but it should perform in the same way, essentially. Because um, that was some feedback we had just, um, just today. Um, someone was tr trying out uh, an AFO for us and when we tried them on in clinic, I was there and uh, the function was very similar. Like they were, they were the same prescription, um, but one was 3D printed and one was made out of plastic. And, um, and the feedback six weeks later from, from the patient is that I like the 3D printed one because it's lighter, uh, it looks cooler, I can get it in my shoes easier. You just think, well, you know, that's, that's kind of what we want. And I guess then we, you know, I guess the question I have after that is like, what can we can we create any more benefits by understanding the materials more so we can change so we can improve function or not that's i think that's kind of where my head's at and what questions i'd like like to like to know more about i don't know if you have the answer to that or if you've got any thoughts on it well i would say that there's probably applications that don't even exist yet that will yeah. be uncovered when more and more people use the the technology um which is going to be really interesting right because yeah. i think when the the early early adopters from a decade ago that were using additive manufacturing if they would have thought that we could do what we can do today mm -hmm. in 2022 it would have blown their minds because really they you, you only have access to the technology that you have at this current time but in a decade from now there's going to yeah. be such advancements that are going to allow for even more <laughs> even yeah, more yeah. complexity so I, know. I think that there's so many applications that we don't even know about that we just have to give the creative control to the clinician and we'll see some amazing things come of it yeah i think I, and i think i always hark back to everybody it, it doesn't it makes life easier but you still gotta the information that you input into it still has to be good like you still have to do like a, you have to know exactly what you want to create like from your assessment like you've got to assess that person and be like okay I know what I want to create and then you can do it and you can do it in a in a much easier way digitally um but but you can't just take anything and just chuck it in there and hope that what comes out will, will work you've got to you've still got to take control and know what you want when you want and what you want it to achieve um yeah. I guess this is the this is the million dollar question. You know, how do we how do we get more clinicians on board? What uh, what do we need to do? Well, 
I'm ready to write this down. I'm ready to write this down. That is the, the question of, of the year there. Um, you know, what needs to happen? <laughs> Come on, tell me. <laughs> um, really, there just needs to be more education, in my opinion. That's, that's the start of this whole thing is to really teach the clinicians, maybe even in school, about the, the advantages of 3D. Because if you look at the, the, the clinicians and the whole scope of things, there's not a real education source right now where you can go and learn about clinical 3D printing. Uh, yeah. To my knowledge, right. there may be, yeah. but no, uh, I, I, yeah, I think you're right. I think you wouldn't be learning it. I don't know if people are learning at university at the moment. Probably, probably not. Probably very, still do. Very few, but the there should be a focus of more CEUs. Uh, those are I, I don't know if those are relevant in the UK, but what's a CEU? So those each year a clinician has to achieve ah, okay. uh, a certain amount of credits to yeah. be able to maintain their licensure. Um, and there needs to be more 3D printing CEUs. Yeah, I think that's important. Like educational courses run by. Yes, exactly. Well, I guess that you're just yeah. giving us both more work to do. Well, <laughs> now we've got to organize, got to organize some educational courses for people. Yeah, yeah, we, do. <laughs> we really do. Um, that's important. And uh, there, there also just needs to be uh, real data. We need, uh, we, we just need real data. And I think that I, means. I, yeah, I think like the data as well could to show that the workflows are quicker, to show like the differences in the in the end product in terms of like weight. And then I think then for me it's thinking it's understanding how to get the most from the technology. So can you create I know I can create the same device and make it a lighter thinner product, but can I can I make it function better? I think that's the question I've I've definitely got because um it just sometimes feel like it it must it must be possible yeah i mean with with more broad clinical trials or more broad you know randomized where there's hundreds of patients that can be included in a study over a span of time uh, i think that that could be able to point to some of these real things that we keep talking about in time savings and and variable thicknesses and how that can improve uh, a patient's treatment how to schedule. Yeah, how to, how to yeah. optimize that for, for yeah. people. That's that's it, isn't it? it um, yeah. That, that's, that's kind of one of, like, how can I optimize? Because I think variable thickness kind of goes to the point of where they where they kind of test it in the in the background too, and they kind of say, yeah, this is what we think is safe. And it's like, okay, yeah. how do we how do we kind of make that, make that even more so? And I think then the introduction of varied materials um like coming out of the printers now is you know uh speaking with hp before uh, on one of these like you know they are working on other materials whether or not they're materials for PO industry who knows but uh sometimes it's where they gotta they gotta put their um development in the industries that are where they're going to make the most money so which yeah. might not be which might not be ours <laughs> <laughs> um and i guess kind of final question i i tee you up for this one and you said you were up you like these kind of questions where like wait throw out there where where digital workflows 3d printing where are they where are they taking us where are we going to be 
10 years down the road? What do you see? 10 years. Uh, all right. Well, oh, or any time, any time, anything. Yeah. Well, I would say in the next one to three years, uh, like the, the future of, of ONP, and this is just from my perspective, uh, <laughs> um, we're seeing the, the larger clinics adopting 3D right now, especially here in the US. Some, you know, the, the clinics with tens of thousands, thousands of employees are having 3D labs installed in their facilities. Okay. And we're going to see we're going to see that data that we were just were speaking about from those uh, major players. And that's going to be something that we can really lean into as an entire industry, but both 3D technology and, uh, you know, medical industry. Yeah. Um, so that's going to, what's really important there is for the large guys to get started. Yeah. And, but really quickly after that, to see the medium clinics really take on board yeah. The, the 3D possibilities. And I think, I think that's I think, when I we're think, gonna see. I think we're reverse here in the yeah. UK. I think we're seeing smaller, smaller individuals take it on um yeah. initially. And it's like we're working almost the reverse way, like because of the way the healthcare system works here. Like it's almost harder for us to get into the bigger um fish uh, because they because they're they either want to do it themselves or they just don't want to move away from that. Just whereas People who are kind of smaller and they're on their own are happier to go. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll try that and, yeah. and see how it goes. So it's, it is interesting the difference, but I hopefully we we meet in the middle somewhere then, or I can yeah keep working up. Well, well, I would say I mean it was the same way for for so long here uh, across the pond, as I'd like okay. to say that yeah. that there was uh, so many groundbreakers and, and innovators more on a small single clinic area that were were getting started, but now in 2022 we're seeing the the large players the the, cool. the big names in cool. the industry uh adopting this technology which is yeah. really interesting because yeah. that is going to pave the way for the the medium clinics the small clinics to take that data and apply it to their workflows which is going to be great mm -hmm. um <clears throat> i think that that's within one to three years that that we see some big pushes uh from that data I think that you know the, the modern clinician in reference to additive manufacturing is is going to be a clinician with access to a bunch of apps. Yeah. You know, we were talking about it last week, but I I kind of refer back to like when I have a background in technology more in telecommunications, so cell phones, tablets, yeah. things of that nature. And I I think about all the time when smart home technology came to the market. And that's like light bulbs, uh, yeah. cameras, different uh, light or uh, electrical outlets. All this kind of connectivity within your home had its own separate app. But mm -hmm. what happened with, I'm an iPhone guy, so Apple took all these apps and put it into a single home app. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what we're going to see kind of in this digitalization of the medical industry is that. Right now, there is a bunch of different apps for different applications for upper extremity, lower extremity, uh, insoles, yeah. you know, cranial helmets. That's going to yeah. be a thing very soon here in the U.S., hopefully. So there's all these different applications. And I think we're going to see kind of them all come together and the modern clinician click on a single folder yeah. and pick what's yeah. what's most important to them. Yeah. And that's going to be, or not most important, but pick uh, what's most applicable to this single patient that they're seeing yeah. right now. 
yeah um that's kind of my vision i believe that that could also be done on you know uh, a laptop it's not just ipad apps but yeah but then um, I, gonna, so so much more portable to be like with your patient have your ipad and agree like yeah just be yeah. like okay this is what i'm going to build and then you just get, get you click, press the app and then you take your scan probably take your time you won't need a scanner you'll just do it through your ipad uh, or your phone and then actually yep. orders off and there we go we're where we yeah yeah and you know we'll that just speaks again to hardware that is kind of what's been the, the trend has been to use tools that are available for other industries, but apply them to the clinical industry, like an iPad. But yeah. will we see more hardware that is tailored to the digital yeah. workflow, uh, more scanners that are tailored to the clinical workflow? Look at HP and their foot scanner. That yeah. is a piece of hardware that was directly created by an OEM for a specific application. I think in the coming years, we're going to see more software tailored, more hardware tailored, and that's going to allow for uh, a, an easier adoption of these tools because of it's decreasing the complexity yeah. and the mystification of it all because it makes sense directly to the clinician. And, and probably on top of all that, the most, thing, the most important thing is that I think in 10 years time, it will be so much more cost effective. Mm -hmm. I, I know it's probably slightly yep. more expensive now, not hugely more, but it's slightly more. But I think yeah. 10 years down the line, it'll be like, you'll find it actually it's, it's better for the environment and it's uh, and it's cheaper to, to print as the types of printers that we're using are, are more available. And the traditional methods are going to be like, oh, okay, maybe they cost a bit too much now to, uh, to do it that way. Yeah, if I, and... I think that's going to be almost guaranteed that the cost will come down. If we look at digitalization of other industries, uh, the inevitable digitalization. Well, I was saying, yeah, I was saying the, the digitalization of other industries is it starts expensive, but then you see that cost kind of gradually decrease and, and we're going to see that sure. yeah cool well thanks so much for your time and uh it was good to chat we had the we almost just had an intro last week and almost did the whole podcast last week but we uh, we actually recorded it this time so it was uh good to chat with you and uh i think we should uh, catch up again soon so we can see how, how each other are getting on yeah, for sure. Return that voicemail you just got and uh, <laughs> get back to work, though. <laughs> oh, don't say that too much.